without understanding your time and how it is serving you, you don't really know what to change in your life, right? And so we can only set goals from a place of being able to understand where we currently are today. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Valley podcast. As you know, I love bringing on guests who have something unique about them, some edge, some superpower, some ability to view the world in a different way that allows them to do extraordinary things. And our guest today, Payal Kadakia, is the perfect example of this. All right, I, I want you to just picture this. Imagine that you have a passion, okay? In Payal's case, it was dancing. And Payal was looking for dance classes in New York City, found that it was harder than she expected. So she decided, well, why don't I solve this problem, not just for myself, but for everyone else? She went on to start a company that I'm sure you've heard of, ClassPass. ClassPass has now become a billion-dollar company, a unicorn. And it all started when this 26-year-old woman decided to solve her own problem. ClassPass was recently purchased by Mind Body Green. So congratulations, Payal, on that incredible exit. And we're so excited to have this brilliant, brilliant mind with us today. Now, before I bring on Payal, just a quick mention. Payal's new book on goal setting is dropping in February 2022, around mid-February. And it's called Life Pass, Drop Your Limits, Raise to Your Potential, a groundbreaking approach to goal setting. So we're going to be talking not just about Payal's incredible journey building up ClassPass into a unicorn brand, but also her philosophy of goal setting, which is so important to all of us as we kickstart 2022. So get ready to get inspired by Payal Kadakia. Payal, welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Vishen, and so lovely to see and meet all of you from around the world. So, Payal, let, let, let's get started first. Your story is, is crazy, crazy, crazy inspiring. Um, tell us about your, the origin story, this, this big brand that you built, this journey that you went on. How did it all kick off? So it all started with, as you mentioned, a deep passion of mine. I had been dancing since I was three years old. It was sort of a part of my daily routine. It was my meditation, my fuel that honestly, you know, and through my book, I talk about this, but it helped me really overcome so many things that I had to get through in my life, but I hung on to it. It was my safe place. And as I got older and entered the you know career professional world, I tried to hang on to it because I didn't want to lose my sense of play and my sense of passion and purpose. And so I was that girl when I was, you know, working in the middle of New York City in huge corporate jobs and consulting jobs who would run to that dance class in the middle of the day just to get, you know, a workout in and get my body moving. And so I was always trying to hang on to that thing I loved. And so one day, six years after I, you know, I had left college, I was working at my desk and I went to go find a ballet class to take in the middle of New York City. And uh, you would think that was a pretty easy thing. I mean, there's a lot of dance schools, but to find that class and find, you know, the right time, find the right teacher, find the right level, um, I realized I got caught up in this huge search and it took me two hours. And at the end of it, I had missed class and I didn't even go to class. And I realized in that moment, 
I could use technology to solve this problem for not obviously just me, but for the world. And I was so passionate about it because here I was in my 20s fighting to keep dance in my life. Imagine if I could bring that fight to other people for their passions and their active lives. And that's really where the idea of ClassPass started um, in 2010, uh, a long time ago, a decade ago. But that was when I had the original idea. That, that's amazing. Now, everyone every now and then has an idea, right? But something about how you executed and it made it take off and, and just explode into a phenomenon. I was in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and I was hearing about ClassPass in 2013 and 2014. Um, friends of mine in Malaysia were building the Asian competitor to it. <laughs> yeah. But what, what do you think gave you, what, what made you successful in this attempt? It comes down to, I set out to solve a problem in the world and I wasn't going to stop until I solved it. And I failed many times. I mean, it's funny, you know, 2013, 14 is when it started working, but those first three, four years, there were many times we put something out there. It didn't work. It, you know, we, we would launch a product and no one was going to classes, but I was so connected to my why and I think to be, you know, a founder who is trying to change human behavior, and I really believe ClassPass is one of those products that's changed the way people live, right? It's a lifestyle product. I think when you think of creating products like that, you really have to be able to test and iterate and care about what you're trying to solve because it's easy to get stuck on, well, this brings in the money or this brings in the press and this brings in, you know, X, Y, and Z for my investors. But I was adamant about the fact that the most important thing was getting somebody to class. And I hung on to that. And so even when we, you know, iterated, I always remember from, you know, one of our second products to this membership, it was really hard because that product was like 100% profit for us. It was growing virally, but it was the wrong product for our partners and it was the wrong product for our long-term business. So it's sometimes hard to make these decisions, but if you really truly care about your why, I think in those hard moments when I did fail, I went back to, you know what? I have money. I have another day to solve this. Let me try again. And I kept going for it. And I really, truly believe it's that resilience inside of me um, combined with like other skills and discipline, which we can get into too, from, I guess, the way I was brought up. But, um, you know, that was really the the key. It's that resilience to my why. Your book is about goals. Why, Why the focus on goals? So at the end of the day, to get make anything in your life happen, I really believe you need to prioritize, right? And set specific goals because if not, you can't execute, right? We we all have ideas, right? You, you were just talking about that. I think it's so easy for us to kind of have a dream in our minds, but it's really hard to figure out how we get there. And the way I've always thought about it, and I even have reflected on my own life, I have had big dreams my whole life, but I started small, and I started in a very specific way. And those steps for me helped me build what I ended up creating in the world. But it wasn't my first dream. My first dream was not, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and build a billion dollar idea. That's not where it started. It started with small steps. And I think that's what everyone really needs to do is to be able to really actually reflect inward, figure out what they really want to do, and then have a plan in place to be able to go after their dreams. And I think that's really the key of it. It is really easy to obviously set New Year's resolutions, right? That are a year long and all of that. But a lot of times we forget those things. We let those things go. And halfway through the year, we don't even remember them. And so the process I've created, which is the Life Pass Method, um, is something actually I created during a hard part of my life where, you know, my career was going well, but my personal life was not. 
And I realized I needed a way to set goals in my personal life the same way I was thriving in my professional life. And I think for other people, it's the other way around, but it doesn't matter. We just need a system that helps us really actually, like I said, think about who we are, what we really want and put a true plan together that helps us move forward. So so that's really cool. So the book is called Life Pass. And tell us about, give us, give us a rough overview of this Life Pass methodology. Yeah. So the book starts um, first, you know, eight chapters are really about different constraints that you face in your life. Um, I really believe that, you know, for any of us, we all can say, I want to go after something, but there's a, but right. Like there's a, I can't because of X, I can't because of X. And I've heard that so many times. So I, what I really wanted to do is break those constraints down for, you know, whether it's entrepreneurs, artists, people who are just passionate about going after their dreams. And the first four are what I consider to be mental constraints. So things like, you know, what direction do I go in? Right. And I sum that into uh, really, what is your calling and your why? And how do you find that? Because I think that is the anchor to anything we do in our lives, right? Without knowing what that true North is, it's really even hard to know what we're fighting for. Uh, so I start with that. Then I go into things like identity, right? When you don't fit in, um, how do you really overcome this idea of feeling different and make sure that you feel that everything that makes you different truly makes you exceptional? Um, so I grew up in a town where um, I was the only Indian girl, and it was a very um, hard thing for me growing up in a place where people didn't understand where I came from. They didn't understand sort of my parents and, you know, even the food I ate during lunch, you know, I know it sounds pretty interesting, but it was the way I grew up and I, you know, I got made fun of, I didn't feel like I belonged and it took me a really long time to find the beauty of where I had come from. And for me, I luckily had an Indian community that was about, you know, 10, 15 miles away from my house. And I found this community that, made me feel like I belonged. And I think I spent a lot of my childhood, and I think this happens to a lot of people, split in two. Like I literally was one person during the week at school and I was another person on the weekends. And it took me a long time to reconcile that. And I think once I understood how to truly start loving the different threads of who I am, my American side, my Indian side, that's when I really started to thrive in so much that, you know, I've done in my life, whether it's in the arts world or um, in entrepreneurship. And I think when I think about being a woman in tech, I truly, I built this armor of being different my whole life. Like by the time I was like 25 and in these rooms, I just was so used to being different that I never questioned it. Right. Because I am different. I'm a 411 petite woman. Like I do not belong in so many, not even not belong. I do belong in those rooms, but I don't always feel like I'm the person who fits in and it's the natural thing, but I have learned to say, well, you know what? I'm awesome at what I do. And I know all the different things that put me together, made me the best person to build this company. But, you know, you look at this in hindsight, right? And I want people to see that, obviously, from the beginning is what are all these things that make you unique? You know, whether it's even the way you you act, like, are you introverted? Are you, you know, are you somebody who loves this type of activity? Run towards those things, not, not away from those things, because those things are truly what your strengths are that will help you thrive in whatever your purpose is in your life. That's amazing. That, that's amazing what you were able to pull off. I mean, what, what, what part of the U.S. did you grow up in? I grew up in New Jersey, which has a lot of Indian people. So people are always like, what? But I, you know, my parents um, moved to a town that was, you know, number one thing was education. So that's another big thing. I think that was a big part of the narrative of my childhood is these foundational values of education. You know, I think my parents sacrificed so much to come here. Um, 
you know, to them, obviously it was about making sure me and my sister did well in school, got into a good college. Uh, and, and I lived with those expectations. So that's like another big part of what I talk about is how do we deal with expectations right around us, whether it's from society, from our friends, from community, um, how do we build boundaries for ourselves? So we start listening to ourselves and our own dreams, because I mean, my parents' dreams of my life were very different than mine. And obviously they got on board at some point, but I would have lived a very different life. And we all need to know when do we get off the train at some point? The train is built for a reason. Like I 100% am so appreciative of the foundation I got because of my parents' you know, expectations and sacrifices. Uh, but at some point I needed to know when I needed to get off and go live my own dreams. And it's, always, it's not always easy when you have to do that and how to do that. So that brings us to another key idea in your book, which is pushing past expectations. What, and, and, and this is such an important topic. I grew up in an Indian family as well, so I can relate. Right? My, my mom um, um, is a 4'11 Indian woman, just like you. And I, I love remember, it. <laughs> I remember my mom telling me a story when she was a school teacher and she saved up enough money to buy a house, just a tiny little house that she wanted to keep as an investment property. And her father-in-law told her, no, you, you can't. You just can't do that. Women are not meant to own property. And this was like nine, the 1980s wow. in Malaysia. It was a very different time from today, right? But um, it, it's, it's crazy. The, the expectations that come on us right now may not be as extreme, but in cultures all around the world, they are these expectations. How do we break free from these expectations, especially when they may hurt our loved ones? Absolutely. I think um, a few things I have learned through my own journey with that. Um, so first of all, I think it's about understanding where the expectation is coming from. So it took me a long time for me to realize how my mom, why was my mom forcing me to get married, you know, in through my twenties. And it came from a sense of, she wanted me to have love and security, all things I wanted to, I just didn't want to maybe do it in the way she wanted to do it. And so one of the things I did, and you know, this is, people have to find their own way of doing this is I set some boundaries. So every single time I'd talk to my mom and she would bring up the idea of who are you dating and when are you getting married? I would kindly say, mom, I, you know, I love you so much. I have to go right now. I have a meeting. Like I would find a way to cut off the conversation. And I know it, and I would do it in a very loving way. And at some, some point she kind of caught on, but I think what I realized I had to do was stop myself from the triggering conversation that was going to spiral my own thoughts right into a really negative place. And I was trying to wake up every day to change the world, whether it was build my dad's company, build class pass. And it was one of those conversations that I felt like really spiraled me. Right. And I think, look, this was a short period of my life. And I talked to my mom every single day and I still did. I just didn't want the conversation to her to be a sense of stress. So this was my way of setting a boundary that enabled me to have a loving relationship with her, but not be triggered by her. Right. And I think these, this is sometimes what we need to do when we're figuring out even where, what our own life and what our own expectations are is sort of cut off these negative, you know, thoughts and whether that's people in our lives that aren't serving us and our thoughts. I think we tend to feel like we need to have, be friends with everyone and let everyone in our lives. It is our choice on who we hang out with and who we let into our minds. And you really do have to control that. So that is something I've learned. I think the second thing I learned is to keep actually my parents involved in the process from the beginning. So, you know, when I started building my dance company and um, even started building ClassPass, I told them every part of the success. So like if someone wrote me an email saying like, oh, like you did an incredible job, I like forwarded to them. I tried to bring them along on the journey instead of cut them off. I think sometimes it's easy 
to say like, oh, I'm not going to share this, right? With some people who might say no to one of your dreams, it's easy to say, okay, they're going to either, you know, tell me I can't do it or whatever. But I shared every positive thing because I wanted them to see me succeed in something. And I have this conversation in the book. It was, uh, you know, my parents really wanted me to go to business school. And obviously, like I was on this perfect path. I went to a great college. I went and worked in consulting. I was supposed to go to business school. And I took this other job and I wanted to dance. And so I had a huge dance show coming up. My dad calls me and he, you know, he's very sweetly is like, you know, beta, like, did you sign up for the GMATs? And I, you know, and he's like, what's the date of the test? And I'm like, uh, I didn't sign up yet, but I didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm looking into it. And I get off the phone and, you know, I'm kind of like in tears. I know I like, like was lying to my dad and I usually would never have done that. And that weekend I had a show and he came to it. And, you know, once again, like my parents are so supportive of everything I've done, but, you know, we got like a standing ovation. People loved it. And the next day he calls me and I could tell like a little shift in his voice. And he goes, he goes, you know, I started looking up arts programs at Columbia. Like it was his way of being able to say, like, I still want you to go to school. I understand you might not want to go to business school and maybe you really like art, but it was a sweet compromise, right, mm-hmm. on his part. And it was moments like that that I think re- made me realize, like, me oversharing, like, him seeing that show and the momentum of it really helped him get over some of his own, you know, fears. And look, by the way, like I said, understanding where his fear was coming from, which is I sacrificed so much from India. Like, I wanted you guys to have the best life possible. You know, I don't want you guys ever to be in a place where you don't have enough money or you don't have a way to succeed in your life, right? It's that that was where he was coming from. So a lot of it, I think, has to come with oversharing and also setting boundaries at the same time. I, I like that. That's really good advice. I, I want to just flip that around. And, and by the yeah. way, those people listening to this podcast, you know, we this is just a free-flowing conversation. Payal and I had no no set agenda of what we were going to discuss. Uh, but I figured she's such a brilliant mind, an MIT graduate, by the way. Uh, that it'll be really fun to just get as much wisdom from her that we can apply in life. Okay, so I have no idea where this is going to go. And Payal, this is what I wanted to ask next. I'm a parent, so my son is 14, and hopefully he's not listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> How do I avoid being that parent that's you know kind of pushing my kid to like trying to be helpful, but really pushing my kid in a direction that I want them to go? What would be your advice to parents? You know, and I have a two-year-old son, so I've just started thinking about this too, even just as he's playing and I realize, wow, like, am I pushing him or not? Um, my advice would be, first of all, try and understand what tendencies and sort of like calling and purpose your child has, right? I think for me, I got lucky where I think everyone knew I loved to dance since I was three years old, but I'll be honest, many people on my life fought me against it. They were like, oh, well, you can't dance. Like, what do you mean you're doing this and, and dancing? Right. And it was, it was this interesting thing in my life where you, you know, anyone who knows this at this point, I succeeded because of my passion for dance, like that is an obvious, uh, you know, analogy someone would be able to say, but I think about how many people tried to take dance away from me because they thought it wasn't enough in my life. And so I realized, like, I think my son, like, loves music. And I keep thinking, okay, how do I bring this out of him instead of make him feel like he can't do this, right? Because of it's sort of the opposite. And we tend to always do the opposite of what we feel like we were, we were brought up to be. But I think it really comes to let them constantly play. Never take away their sense of play because that is truly where people find themselves. It is, it is honestly the DNA of even why I built ClassPass. Like in a way, ClassPass was this 
play room for, for adults, right? Because we took away a sense of play as we became adults. And I think it's so important that we allow people to play. That all being said, and I talk about this a lot in my book, you still have responsibilities, right? We all have responsibilities in our lives. And I do think it's important to not tell people to just like jump off a cliff. I never want, you know, entrepreneurs who ask me, they're like, should I quit my job? I'm like, whoa, there is so much to unpack Mm -hmm. in there. Right. And that's actually a big part of what I go into too. Things like money, making sure you have a, like a plan in place. And I think it's about having both. My parents were always like, you're able to do anything you want. Just make sure you get a good education. And so when I went to MIT, I remember in my own head, my parents didn't even do this to me and tell me this. I said, okay, if I get straight A's, I'm allowed to dance as much as I want. I came up with that own clause in my own mind to keep doing what I loved. And I think that's sort of what we need to instill in our, in our kids is a sense of responsibility, but a sense of dreaming at the same time, not a sense of you can't ever have your dreams and that your life purpose is, you know, and I love these threads, but at the same time, it's not just like getting a promotion, getting more money, getting, you know, having kids and family. Like those are what society I think has built for us as like success, 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 but success is about a fulfilling life. So what is a fulfilling life to your child? And you can guide them. Our job is to guide people on their, on their fulfilled, fulfilled journeys in their life. That's what we do as parents. That's what coaches do. That's what mentors do. And actually, that's my only other thing I would say. I talk a lot about my dance teacher in my book. Um, her name is Ushanti. And she was my second mom and guided me so much. And I also think that giving our kids good coaches and mentors that are not us is also really important because she changed my life as much as my mom did. And, you know, until this day, I look back and if there's something wrong, I still call my dance teacher to say, Hey, you know, I'm dealing with this thing. Can you give me some advice? Because she understands me at my core and she will always push me, you know, and I think it's about having people in our lives. So surrounding them with people who will, like I said, guide them, but not tell them what to do. And it's easier for us as parents to tell them what to do. I love that. I love that advice. Find other mentors for our children as well. I, I love that. Now, there are a couple of other things you speak about in your book. Uh, there's, a, there's a line here I see, make money work for you instead of working for it. Let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah. So, um, you know, money has always been, I think, a, a sense of trapping for everyone, right? It is a sense of, oh, I can't do it because I don't have money. Um, but I want to really flip that conversation for people to think about money working for you. You do not work for money. You put a plan in place on how much money you want to make, where you're going to get it, and then how you're going to use it. And look, I grew up, I didn't have, you know, my parents didn't have a lot of means. It was, you know, I, I didn't grow up around money. So to be even to have earned what I have in my life, it is through hard work and through a lot of just trying to figure things out. And I had to realize in my life how I wanted to spend that money. And I think we need to have a conversation with ourselves on first, what is money worth to us? Right. And so I think about the first six years I was, you know, working all the time. Um, I didn't travel. I didn't spend money on things. I didn't like, I didn't take taxi cabs. Like I walked to work. I didn't want to spend a dollar, but then when I had the opportunity to do a dance show and put a $30,000 check down, you know what? I did it because I cared about that. And those are the types of conversations to have with yourself on what do you want to spend money on? What is money worth to you? That's a really important thing to know. And you really also have to analyze how were you raised around money, right? Because the way other people spent money around us affects the way we think money is supposed to be spent. And sometimes you need to break a little of those patterns. So I, I would say start with that. I think another really big thing is know your numbers. I think we all get scared about 
actually not understanding what our, you know, what our budget is or what our, what's coming in, how are, how are we spending our money? The more familiar you are with the data, the more it's going to enable you to have freedom to do what you want to do in your life. Right. And I would tell anyone, like anyone listening to this, do you know your numbers? You know, and if you don't, find a way to get to know your numbers, do your budget. You know, there are amazing apps out there for Mint and LearnFast and all these amazing products that you can use that will do it even quickly for you. But if you don't know those numbers, you will feel trapped constantly. And I, I, I think it's actually even more important in relationships, you know, understanding what you and your partner both want out of the money you both make, you know, and if it's one person who makes the money and the other person doesn't, I still can encourage the other person to still know those numbers because no one should feel trapped by money. I think I, you know, the more and more I've had these conversations, I realize that so many people put their dreams aside because of that. And I'm all about understanding, like you cannot jump off a cliff, but you know what you could do? You could put a plan together. So in the next four years, you can go after your dreams And that's actually, you know, for me, when I got to that point six years after I was working in um, the professional world, I got to that point where I wanted to start ClassPass. My dad and I sat down, we looked at my savings, we looked at my expenses, and I had a three-year runway before I would run out of capital, run out of money, right, essentially, to um, build my company. And that was such great freedom to me to know that I could go try and solve something for three years, spend my heart and soul on it, not worry about sort of responsibilities of being able to eat and live and all of that. And it was, it was an amazing place because I put a plan together. And so that's really what I really want people to really think about is how do you make money? What, like I said, work for you instead of you working for money, because you're going to be working for money your whole life then. Wonderful. Payal. Thank you for that, that, that advice. There's so many other um, nuggets in your book. So if you find any ideas here interesting, just know that we're attempting to share as much wisdom from Payal we can in this limited time frame. But of course, you want to go really deep into this woman's beautiful mind. You want to invest in this book. And uh, congratulations on the book, by the way. Thank you so much. I'm just curious, when when did you decide you were going to be writing this book? Yeah, it, it's you know it's been a journey. I, I think I always felt... Uh, that especially, uh, you know, when I was having a baby and all of that, I felt like it was like the right time because I know I was looking back on, you know, my twenties and I realized I lived by a different set of rules. And I know that. And I think everyone who knows me, whether it was me choreographing dances in college to building class class, I think everyone knew I sort of like lived by a different drumbeat, you know, and I kind of wanted to share that with other people so they could live by it too and go after their dreams. I've just never let anything stand in my way. And I think if I can help other people do that and do it in, like I said, in a responsible way, it's not, like I said, about just running after my dreams. I've done it in a really pragmatic, methodical way. And I think that's really um, the key here is finding a way for other people to do this in a way where um, they're responsible, but doing what they love. And I think when we can marry our calling and our career, we all are happy and we're not working a day in our life because we're literally living the life of our dreams. And that's really the goal for everyone, right? We shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't be living sort of like a dogmatic life where we're just doing things just to do them. I love that. So in Payal's book, Life Pass, you're going to learn into how to tune into what's meaningful for you, how to embrace all parts of your identity, how to manage your time guilt-free. Payal, we're going to talk about that in a moment because I'm so curious. How to build a supportive tribe of people around you, how to set actionable goals aligned to your dreams. In, in this, this conversation, in the, in the 20 minutes or so we have left, I'd love to have you speak about 
managing your time guilt-free and setting actionable goals. But before that, I just want to read out this little quote on the book by Jessica Alba. And who hasn't heard of Jessica Alba? Jessica said, I've seen firsthand how Payal's goal-setting methodology helps set short-term goals for long-lasting results. Here she has shared a path for an honest, fulfilling, and meaningful existence. Read this book, Change Your Life. And uh, by the way, guys, if you go to lifepassbook.com and you order from there rather than just from Amazon, lifepassbook.com, Payal also gives you a free goal-setting workshop if that is something that interests you. So Payal, let's let's go on to this, this next topic. How do you manage your time guilt-free? Okay, so time is the most important resource. I know we just talked about money, but time is even more important than money. I think people forget that sometimes, but time is something we have a limited amount of and we literally are wasting it in a way every second, right? And I think if we can get ahead of time, that's when you really truly start spending your life doing the things that you want to do. So the way I always think about time is once again, first, you need to reflect. You need to know, what do you really want to be doing, right? So this is not about shoulds. This is not about the obligate, like obligations that, once again, your parents are making you do, your friends are making you do, getting very clear on what your musts are in your life. What are the things that you know you really have to do is a key part of the conversation. One of the things and tactics I have done for a very long time is every Sunday night, I write down a list of my own priorities. So I go into the stock, it's called Piles Weekly Priorities, And I write down all the things that I want to accomplish that week. And I talk about these things like personally, professionally, um, and I go through them. This is before I look at my calendar. Then I look at my calendar and I try and map the two. And it's always interesting because people are always like, well, why don't you look at your calendar first? I'm like, because if I look at my calendar first, I'm sure it's busy. I'm sure there's enough stuff on there that I could be doing. And I start realizing, oh, well, I have this huge meeting and it's actually not serving my priorities for this week. I can actually move this to another week. And I think getting into the mindset of your time is your own and that you control it is so important and learning to put that into a really specific way where you are literally prioritizing what you want, putting those things on your calendar. And then guess what happens? The things that you don't want to do, they just fall off because you know what? You don't have time for them. And when you have a life of yes to run after the nose just disappear right? And having to say no is hard for anyone. But when you are just like, I need to be doing this because my dreams are in this, in this way, this is what's fulfilling for me. A lot of the other things start to fall apart. And so it really comes down to doing the things you love because the more you are doing things that you feel truly fulfill you, the easier it is to not feel guilty about them. I love that. That's a really, really cool idea, especially what you said about the calendaring thing. I realized I have been looking at my calendar first and then trying to fit in fit in the stuff that I know is important that week. And, and I, I got to flip that methodology around. Do, because, yeah. Ask are, you, are you actually practicing this correctly? Beautiful insight, Payal. Yes. Um, I think, you know, that has been so helpful for me because there are so many things I love to do every single day. And this, this comes down to, you know, I plan dance rehearsal to sleep to, you know, when I'm going to eat to my meetings, like I do, like I live by my calendar. I know some people don't want to do that. And so you have to find your own pattern. And I think that's another thing I talk about in the book with skills and time is, you know, this was my way of doing things. I think the biggest thing I want to teach people is to self-reflect in and say, what's the best way I can use my time, right? Are you a morning person? Are you an evening person? When do you get your energy? you know, what time of day works for you to do creative projects versus like administrative projects, you know, like I think people need to really think about themselves if and then plan their time 
accordingly, but don't waste time. And I think when you know what your goals are, which we're going to talk about in a second, I think knowing that you know what you want to accomplish and then mapping that to your time, you have a plan in place. And you know what? No one else can really destroy that unless you let them, right? And that's really what guilt really happens is when you're letting someone else do something. But that guilt can go both ways, right? Like one can feel guilty for not working enough, especially if you are trying to build your own startup. And then one can feel guilty for working too hard and not having enough time for your health or your family. How do you find that balance? How do you know how much to allocate to work and how much to allocate to your health, your relationships to, to, to being a mom? Well, so great segue into the way I do goal setting, because that is really the key into all of this. Because once I know what my goals are, and I have a huge process, which we'll, we'll, we can go through a few of the steps on, I am so clear. I set quarterly goals every single month, right? Or not month, sorry. I set quarterly goals every quarter. So for three months, right? And so I... I'm very clear about what I want to accomplish every three months in my personal life and professional life. And what that does for me is it makes it very clear to me on like, how do I want to spend my time right now being a mom, being a wife, being, you know, an entrepreneur, being this. And I'm just very clear about what expectations I even have myself in that quarter, right? Because a lot of it is how much can I possibly do? There is obviously an enormous, I could, I could, if I feel like I could be the best mom in the world, the best mom, wife in the world, the best entrepreneur in the world, you know, what? I'm probably never going to accomplish that, right? If that makes sense, because there's no definition of what that means. But the way I do goal setting is I get to a place where I literally will write down like, okay, I'm going to make sure I do X, Y, and Z with my child. I'm going to make sure I do maybe X date nights with my husband, you know? And I know it's so specific, but sometimes we need to get that specific. But if I know what I'm going towards and saying like, okay, I've blocked off time with my husband and I know that, and it's very clear, I don't spend the whole day saying, oh my God, I didn't spend enough time with my husband, right? Like it's one of those things where the more I feel like there's a plan in place, the less I worry about not having a plan. Right. Uh, And I think that's why I really live by this is being able to, like I said, set my own expectations of my own life, be excited about them, go after them, not let them think that they are obligations and that they are coming from anyone else because they should come from you. And then you know what? You go and execute. And then three months later, you get to do it all over again and do anything you want with your time. And I think that's part of what's made this process so fun for me is that I get to pivot and iterate as a human being every three months and whether that means like trying new things as, you know, as a writer and an author or trying new things as a dancer or trying new things in my fa- my home life. Like those are things that I'm allowed to decide and get excited about versus feeling like everything is routine that I'm stuck in. Let's, let's go deeper into the, the concept of setting actionable goals aligned to your dreams. Yeah. So the whole process, just for people, it usually takes about an hour, hour and a half. Um, it's one of those processes that, you know, it's a four-step process that we start um, with the most important thing being the first step, which is first you have to reflect. So I really want everyone to take time to think about their last year and what themes were present. So I think a lot about emotions and a lot about thoughts that were uh, prevalent in our minds, right? During that last year, I think we have to know what was really driving us. And so for me, usually like I, I look, take a list of words and I start writing them down and I start saying, okay, like, you know, was this last year anxiety? Was it loneliness? Was it motivation? Was it dreams? And everyone should write down a list of all the words that really encompass this last year. And then you pick the, the five, 
that really sum up the year. Just for you to know, these were the this is where I am currently and this is where I came from. And that is step one, is just getting a sense of where you are right now in your heart, in your emotions, in your mind. And so after we do that, we move on to step two, which is the opposite of that, which is thinking, imagine it's a year from now and I asked you the same exact question. What five words would you like to say, right? So now what you're doing is anchoring in on emotions and themes that you really want to run to in the year, instead of this being about accomplishments, right? And, you know, achievements and things that, you know, you can just check, check mark to, this is coming down to how do you as a human being want to feel in a year, right? What themes do you want to say? I was really running towards, you know, this theme, whether it's, it might be power, it might be, it might be influence, it might be dreams. It might be, you know, it might be um, a sense of home. You know, I've always had that one. And for me, it's a sense of home. Like, how do I keep running towards a sense of home? Because I'm always moving all around. And I think when you start thinking about it in terms of these words, you start to have dream words that become very, very important and pervasive in your life. And you start running, running towards them. So that is step two is anchoring yourself on what your dream words really are. Then we go into a process of focusing. So this starts with a time diagnostic. So I make everyone look through their time to say, Hey, how do I, what hours do I spend? What are, what am I giving to, you know, my family, my friends, what am I giving to my activities? What am I giving to my work? And even breaking them down into sort of smaller chunks. So anything that takes up, you know, I would say five to 10 hours of your weekly life. So you start bucketing your time, right? And most of the time we don't realize how much time do you spend on social media, right? It's things like that, that we don't even get a sense of. So we really, really try and figure out what, what is spending um, and taking up a lot of your time. So as we're working on the time diagnostic, we end up at a place where um, we know what buckets of our life um, are really, you know, taking up a significant amount of our time. So once we have that, we then do a rating, right? Just to understand how are these areas of our life sort of serving us, right? So you might have family, you might have friends, you might have work. Um, it's about just kind of rating them and how they are at this current moment rated in terms of your dream words, right? So is something a 10 or is something a two? And this is once again, just for you to have a sense of where you are right now, right? Because without understanding your time and how it is serving you, you don't really know what to change in your life, right? And so we can only set goals from a place of being able to understand where we currently are today, right? And so the once we have that, this is the next big part of it is we focus. So for the next three months, you're going to pick just three areas to focus on for the next few months that you're going to really put actionable goals towards, right? So you might choose, okay, I'm going to do home, I'm going to do being mom, and I'm going to do being a wife, right? So if you circle those areas, you can then take those areas, right? And put them on a different list. And what we're going to do, and this is the big part of it, and this takes a lot of time, so I'm not going to get fully into it right now, but we start writing really measurable goals against each one, right? So home might be, I need to find a decorator, right? And that's still like a very hard task for most people, but it is, do I ask three friends for a recommendation? Do I paint my child's room gray? And like, do I, I do I even buy a new lighting uh, for my kitchen? And I know these things feel so small, but this is kind of what I mean from before of starting small, is the way to go to get to a place that's going to be big. And especially on dreams and things that you cannot do, like starting a company, pretend you want to start a company, but you're like, okay, I'm at day one. In your goal setting, it literally might be put a pitch deck together, talk to five friends about your idea, right? 
tell three customers about this potential concept. Like these are such small things, but people think like they don't know where to start at all. So they never get started. And it's really about making them measurable, making, having like sort of a deadline on it, which gives you that clear cutoff that in, you know, three months, I'm going to check in on this. It's about making it something that, you know, you're thinking about actually being able to do so you can actually know it's completed. Right. So saying like, I'm going to run a marathon is awesome, but like that takes a, a really long time for someone to do, especially in depending on what your skill and experience is, you might need to, in the beginning say, okay, I'm going to just start with running a mile every day. And a goal like that is actually much better than never ever even trying to attempt to run the marathon, right? And sticking to a mile a day is actually great for the year, right? If you can even get started in a lot of that. So a lot of this is really about breaking down how to even goal set. And that is the magic of this. It's not, it's obviously the process I do about reflecting, dreaming, and focusing helps you get to the moment of being able to goal set. But the magic in this whole process is actually how I break down how you even need to set goals, right? Pretend you want to try a new class in your life. A lot of times you don't ever try the class. So your goal might be like, look up three tennis teachers, right? And see who they, you know, where they're teaching. And the the only goal that you might have for that first three months is just get to the first class. You know, it is not to become a tennis pro at the end of the three months because you probably won't. But literally signing up for that first class is still progress. And I think most people don't know how to measure and how to even just get to that that tiny breakdown of a step. And when I think about my own life and where I've where I've gotten to, like I truly believe like my life and all the success with ClassPass started with me planning like probably a little dance show. You know, it started with me being able to build the confidence of putting on a show. And then I learned to put on a bigger show and then a bigger show. And then I decided to start a company. You know, it's it's those steps, right? In the process. But if I never put on the show for a hundred people, I probably would have never built a company for a million people. And I think that's really what I want to show people is start with the small thing, you know, get the, get, do the thing that's small, get confident, build your confidence and execution, right? Because the biggest part about life is, is your own discipline, your own motivation and your own ability to do it. And the more you get into the process of completing these amazing goals that are in line with your dream words, the more you're going to say, oh my God, I can do even more. And you know what? Next quarter, you're going to set a bigger goal and go after it and complete it. I love that. I love that. I'm I'm laughing, smiling as I'm as I'm hearing that because that's kind of how I got started. I, I quit Silicon Valley, decided to become a meditation teacher, and Mind Valley started because I decided to get certified as a meditation coach and then do a simple little class. And I and I I lost I lost money because I didn't make enough money to pay the hotel room fees. But it was the start, and you got to start somewhere. And I and every quarter I just make the goal bigger and bigger and bigger. Twenty years ago. I love that. So now we're going to bring up some questions from the audience. And Payal, okay. thank, I'm reading the comments here from our, we have 300 people live with us. And wow. I'm going to read out some of the comments. You are a powerful woman. What wonderful advice to be incremental with our steps and accomplishment. That is from Shakti. And uh, Carolina said, thank you, Vision, for bringing Payal here. And now we want to bring up the question that got the most votes. This is by Ash Kemka. Yeah. Hi, Vision. Hi, Payal. Thank you so much for such a great session. And Payal, thank you so much for sharing your life with us. That's really amazing for us. So my question is that uh, I do plan my uh, months and quarters, but what happened a lot of time, we get inclined by others' vision, by others' goals. And we don't have, we don't focus much on what we want actually in our life. So how do we omit that? And how do we focus what really we want in our life? 
So, you know, this goes back to part of the process I was telling you where the first step, you need to reflect on you, right? How do you feel? Not how anyone else feels, how anyone made you feel. How did you truly feel in this last year? And then when you set the dream words, right, where you think about the future year, they need to be from your heart and soul. And that's why, you know, I have, I'm a really spiritual person as obviously as much as I have been able to accomplish things, it came from a sense of soul and it came from a sense of myself. And I think that's why I anchor my goal setting method in those dream words, which come from my heart versus coming from this sense of accomplishment and check marks, because my dream words, then they are, they are my North star. They are my new year's resolutions, right? My, my dream words, they're not, it's not about getting anything done. It's truly about in a year from now, how do I want to feel? And you, you know what? You're the only person who knows that no one else can tell you that. Right. And once you are very clear about how you want to feel, And, you know, I recommend everyone do this after you write your goals down and go through the process, you have to look back and say, am I excited to do this? Does this feel like a a grocery list and a to-do list? And if it does, they're not the right goals for you because they are somebody else's goals. And if you, you should have a list of, you know, 10, 15 goals for the quarter that you are so excited for. And if you're not, that means you're doing a life of should and not a life of must. And you have to go back and fight for it to be your life and your dreams. I think it helps. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. And the next question is from Lavania. Um, I'm a huge fan of you and I have a question. I've been following your journey and I realized that um, you actually started Class Pass with a group of people. Why didn't you start it as a solo entrepreneur? You know, um, it's a great question. And I think this is different for everyone. It really depends on how you work. Um, I have always loved working with people and, you know, I talk actually a big chapter of my book is about people and the sense of team life that I grew up with, whether that was, you know, everyone from my parents and friends and community. Um, and I think for me, I really loved having somebody to throw ideas off of and keep the momentum going. It's, you know, it's about finding people where when you say this, they say this and together you end up here and you keep building Um, And I really always enjoyed working with other people. And to me, it's what really made the journey meaningful at the end of the day was working with some other people. But I think it's different for everyone. Um, It depends how you work. Ultimately, it's it's really about your style of working with people. Got it. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything you've shared today. Uh, Lavanya, thank you so much for asking such a beautiful question and participating. Um, You've been such a delight, loved learning from you. I'm excited that you wrote this book because I think it is going to inspire and help so many people. So again, the website, the company, the massive company that Payal founded is ClassPass, and you can find that online. And Payal's book is called LifePass. And you can get the book along with a free goal-setting workshop from Mm -hmm. Payal, at the following website, Life Pass Book, exactly as those words are, L-I-F-E-P-A-S-S book.com. So go check it out. And Payal, thank you so much for being uh, our guest today on the Mind Valley Podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was so nice. And have a great 2022, everybody. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, 
Take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.